Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. And it goes towards Oxlade-Chamberlain. No mistake with a header. Convincing enough winners against Brentford and perhaps, well, just maybe a glimmer of hope in the title race. Jürgen says, make your own mind up on that front. We're going to talk Fabinho, the Ox, Curtis Jones, Rafa Benitez, and also preview the second leg of that League Cup semi-final, which hangs in the balance. It's the Red Agenda. I'm Steve Hothersall, joined by James Pearce and Simon Hughes. James, you were at Anfield yesterday. At the very end, Jürgen flew over to the cop, didn't he? Gave his three punches. It's normally reserved for perhaps uh, a bit more of an occasion, that. But I don't know. There was, there was something about it for Jurgen, which which made him really want to to demonstrate that at the end of the game. Yeah, it was a, it was a real outpouring of emotion, wasn't it? Which I must admit, I was surprised because um, you're right. He does usually only save those big flamboyant fist pumping celebrations for for the big occasions, the ones that really matter. But I think. I think there was a lot of pent-up emotion in there. I think it was relief as well as delight as well because um, I think it has been a tough period for Liverpool. When you think back to that was the first league win since mid-December, only two points out the previous nine on offer. The kind of negativity, I think, generated by that kind of lifeless stalemate against Arsenal in midweek. And I think you could tell you know, by the press conference he gave before the Brentford game that I think there was a sense of almost agitation that you know, is this month suddenly going to be defined by, you know, Liverpool can't score, they can't win without Salah and Mane. And Klopp knows from you know, previous seasons that this has always been the toughest time of year for his team. So I think that was why it was a celebration out of keeping with, you know, how you would usually expect Klopp to react to beating a, a newly promoted team at home, because um, it wasn't just about the three points. I think a lot of it was about the belief that that should give them now going into a a massive semi-final second leg at, at the Emirates. So, of course, Sai, after the game, he's asked about the title race, 11 points behind, obviously still the game in hand. But he gave an answer which implied that maybe there is still some hope, albeit an outsider, a long shot at chasing down Manchester City. He said, we don't have to convince anyone outside to believe. If you're with us, you'll enjoy the ride and we'll go for everything. Are we reading too much into that? Or is he still just basically saying internally... We have got some confidence here. Yeah, well, there's still a lot to play for in Liverpool's season. I don't think they can win the league. I don't think they've got a team or a squad that's capable of winning the league this season based against what is ahead of them in the league table at the moment. But that doesn't mean that there's nothing to play for. I mean, I think Liverpool are well-equipped to do well in the Champions League. They're obviously still in the League Cup, despite a disappointment uh, performance against Arsenal last week. Obviously still in the FA Cup. I wonder whether some of that comment that you mentioned there, Steve, is, is related to that. You know, they're still in quite a lot of competitions, really. And there is a small chance, you know, that if Manchester City were to lose one game and, and Liverpool, 
win their game in hands and then and then able to capitalise if the gap were to show, suddenly narrow to, to five points it's not insurmountable I guess but I just think when it comes to it I'd be surprised if Liverpool were champions in May based on the performances and results and the patterns of certain games I've seen this season I just think City look a lot more convincing than Liverpool um, but you know in the Champions League Liverpool have been excellent haven't they and I think I would always fancy Liverpool in the Champions League over two legs when, you know, the crowd gets its its tail up and, you know, there's a, there's a sense of belief there. So I think there's, there's plenty to play for and that, that, that is, all those competitions for me are, are very important. Uh, I think I think they've got to be trying to win each of the competitions personally. It'd be interesting to see how Klopp approaches the, the FA Cup especially, I, I would say, from here. Yeah, look, last season was crackers, wasn't it? Empty stadiums. This season's still been affected by COVID and teams calling games off. And and Jurgen said, James, in a normal world, nothing happens in terms of Liverpool chasing this down. But then he said, but nothing is normal this season. So is it is he implying that that maybe even outside forces can affect Liverpool's ability to chase Man City down? Yeah, I just think common sense tells you, doesn't it, that City will go on and win the league from here. Yet. Klopp knows better than anyone that strange things can happen in football and you can the the most unlikely of scenarios can come true you know you only have to look back to to what happened against Barcelona in that Champions League semi-final and I know that was a one-off occasion and you know this is going to have to be a chain of events but it's just not in his nature or in the, this this squad's nature to just to just give up and and admit that City can't be caught I think the big thing for me is they have to stay on City's coattails right up to when they go to the Etihad in, I think it's April. You, know, you, you need to, to have any hope. You need to ensure that that game actually counts for something because, um, you know, the, 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 the two big things that need to happen is Liverpool need to put together the kind of run they haven't managed since the title winning season. And then the flip side of that is City have to, have to falter and, and probably lose two or three games realistically to, to give Liverpool a sniff. Now, you know, yes, they've got depth that no one else has got, but we also know with COVID, you know, suddenly you get about and it can upset the stability and the structure of a team. So I think that's what Klopp was getting at. You know, that in this season, it, it would be stupid to just believe that a team's going to coast from here on until May. By the way, if you're wondering what that noise is, James is having a new trophy cabinet built inside his uh, his mansion at the moment. So you might just have to put up with the the workmen, eh, Si? <laughs> The PS Gym, I believe. The PS Gym, is that what's being built? <laughs> it was pretty like luster against Arsenal, wasn't it, Si, uh, on Thursday night? And, and there was definitely questions about how Liverpool would start this game against Brentford. But as you mentioned before, it's sort of a game that, that they should be winning. And thankfully, it's one that they controlled from the start. Yeah, it reminded me of a... I didn't see all the game, I must be honest, for a variety of different reasons. But... um. So I must I must clarify that. But from what I did see, it reminded me of some of the um, some of the game performances at home earlier on in the season, where they, they ended up winning convincingly, but huffed and puffed a little bit until the first goal, and then space opens up, and Brentford are trying to trying to do a few more things, and Liverpool then have the space to go and express themselves and a bit more confident. So. I just think it illustrated again the importance of the, the first goal, which arrived at a really good time for Liverpool, obviously not, not long just before half-time. So I wouldn't say it was a performance that convinced me that suddenly Liverpool are on the march again, because we've seen this 
these sorts of performances already this season. I still think Brentford found it too easy sometimes to play through Liverpool. But, uh, you know, you could tell that they, they were lacking a, a little bit of confidence as well. I think maybe Liverpool actually got Brentford at the right time. They didn't seem to believe that they were going to go and score against Liverpool or, or, or create a, an atmosphere of uncertainty around Anfield in the way that maybe like early on in the season when Liverpool went to Brentford, you know, they, they were on... They seemed very confident at that time and, and believing that they could achieve some really difficult results. I didn't sense that from them yesterday. I think they played quite well and created en- enough to have scored and, and caused Liverpool problems, but I just never sensed that there wasn't that purpose in the play. But, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really important win for Liverpool because it does remind that when they get the first goal, they still have the players uh, and the power and the and the, the supply line from wide areas to go and, and win a game convincingly. Well, nervy first half out, but as you say, when, when they got the goal, and Fabinho, so he's, he's the man with Mo away and Sadio away. It's Fabinho who's stepping in and scoring. But, but it came from a set piece as well, which I, I think will probably please the manager, James. Yeah, because there was a lot wrong, wasn't there, against Arsenal last Thursday night, but right up there was how pitiful the deliveries were from set pieces. You know, So many chances to pick players out were wasted, lost count of the number of corners and free kicks that didn't beat the first man. So, um, yeah, I think you could, you could tell that that was something that had been talked about and worked on since Thursday night because the, yeah, the, the quality coming into the box was, was much improved and Van Dijk very nearly scored from a corner, didn't he? You know, fantastic save from the goalie before the Trent Alexander-Arnold corner did, did finally lead to the breakthrough. And that, that was such a pivotal moment because I actually thought, I thought Liverpool started the game really brightly first 15, 20 minutes, but then they really lost their way. And it, you, you almost sensed, I think it felt like one of those days when the, the kind of enthusiasm and energy from the stands kind of died out a little bit. And Liverpool seemed to almost, it, it just affected the players, I think, as well, that there wasn't, it suddenly became very quiet and you could feel the tension levels rising. Then suddenly loads of careless errors were creeping into Liverpool's play and you thought, yeah, well, actually, this could go badly wrong. And then it was, the timing of that goal was just so crucial in terms of just lifting all of that tension you know I think really demoralizing for Brentford who were you know on the cusp of getting into half-time level and thinking wow you know we've done a real good job here in frustrating Liverpool because the delivery from Trent Fabinho alert to nod home and then Liverpool were a different team second half you know they, they went, went on to win 3-0 but it could easily have been been five or six um, and it was just great to see some kind of fluency back in their attacking play and you know I think what do they have 27 goal attempts in total 13 on target and you compare that to just that miserable one on target against Arsenal they just they just looked a lot more inventive and I think the changes definitely helped you know bringing Oxlade Chamberlain and Jones back in for Milner and Minamino you know just changed the dynamic of the midfield as well I thought you know great for Oxlade to to get his goal it was just a, a real shame that his joy was so short lived with you know turning his ankle and being forced off so soon after but um i think it was everything what you'd want to see from liverpool in terms of just giving you that belief that they can they can win games at what is a difficult period of the season without key personnel imagine the scenario a much loved and inspirational leader has announced his intention to take a career break and you need to find someone just as tactically astute and charismatic but perhaps without the glasses and the teeth. Well, when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. 
LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. And LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They've even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even quicker. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk. W-L-K to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. James, you've written about the Ox. Um, Sorry, you can start on this, actually. So, real shame to see him go off injured. I, I was surprised to see, and James wrote, first goal at Anfield for him since July 2020. He's a player who's had his trials and tribulations, hasn't he? But this this period of time, in the absence of Mo and Sadio, it's it's the time where you want him to shine to show what his worth is. Well, he, sh- he should really be getting opportunities at this time because if he doesn't, is your question when really? It's been so frustrating his Liverpool career because the first season I thought he was integral to like the the rise of Liverpool in the Champions League is. His performances were excellent, gave Liverpool the energy and thrust from midfield. So that should never really be, be forgotten because I, he scored some important goals, you know, some important assists um, in that season, which gave the crowd the confidence that you know Liverpool were back. You know, he's part of that story, definitely. Obviously, horrendous injury, and has just struggled to get back in to the team. I think when you know the the, the fitness levels of this team and the the trajectory of the team at the time when he was coming back. Liverpool were even better then than when he left the team because of injury. So it's very difficult for him to get back in and get that momentum back into his career and confidence as well. Because I, I mean, I think I mentioned it on this podcast before. I remember a game two years ago now. I mean, it's a long time when Liverpool went to West Ham and uh, he scored that night and Liverpool won convincingly. You know, to send them a lot, you know, closer again to winning the, the league in that season. And he came off the pitch and he, he spoke after the game. He was so self-critical of himself. And I thought he'd actually played quite well, you know. And he, he, he was uh, really a bit down on himself. And I wonder, made me think, is he that sort of character? You know, he, his expectation on himself sometimes. I know people say having a you know, high demand on yourself is important. But I just felt like, you know, you've got to give yourself a break a little bit there. Mate, you've, sco- you've scored, your team's won and I, I thought you played well. He's found it hard to get back into the midfield and obviously played sort of more of a wide right position, which he played at Arsenal. I don't think it's his favourite position, but at this moment in time, he's just got to find a way to get games and influence those games when he's on. He hasn't really, he obviously hasn't really done that as, as much as people have hoped since he got injury, injured. And then obviously this season, he hasn't, he hasn't really influenced the games when he, when he has played, but... He's a really, you know, I can't claim to know him well, or you know, my my experience of dealing with him has just been with interviews. But I think he's a really smart lad, who is desperate to do well and sort of character when you meet him, he sort of wants him to do well. But he just hasn't been able to reach that level. I think this is a really good opportunity for him over the next couple of months because Liverpool 
if what we spoke about before, they've got a lot of games coming up potentially in the cups. He's going to be needed uh, throughout that the course of that process, and yeah, we'll see how he does. Um, as I said, I really hope that he he finds a way to sort of reignite what had been a really promising Liverpool career. It feels like he's he's been around forever. I was surprised actually to see in your article that he's twenty eight. Adds a Wikipedia that James because I was thinking is he is he just twenty eight because it. It is sort of an age where you expect a player to be at his very best, isn't he? And also then you'd, you'd factor in and you've written about this. You know, this is a player who, who arguably would want a contract extension at some point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it was it was probably telling, wasn't it? The fact he wasn't involved in all those renewals that got dished out uh, last summer. Because um, I think if we were honest about things, you'd say you probably haven't seen enough from him to say that he is someone that you you believe that will have an integral part to play for the next three, maybe even four years, because it has been so stop start. As I said, he had you know a really really promising start to his Liverpool career. You know in seventeen eighteen that that's you know such a horrendous injury he suffered against Roma in the in the semi final of the Champions League that you know pretty much everything you can do to your knee he did in that challenge with Kolarov. And then it feels like he's never quite been able to get back to where he was. You know, he, he did make some telling contributions during the title-winning season, but then you know a knee, a separate knee injury wrecked the first half of last season, and and he was only you know ever a bit part player in the second half of last season, and then same again this time around. You know, very much in and out of the team. You know, he's he's mainly been been fit, but he's you know yesterday was only his seventh Premier League start of the season, which and when you think you no know, Liverpool paid thirty five million pound for him. And he, he was inside the last year of his deal at Arsenal. He was very much bought to be a starter at Liverpool as opposed to someone who could who could come on and, and change a game. So, yeah, I, I just hope, you know, we're still waiting at the moment for results of a scan. Hopefully it is just a minor issue with his ankle and and he's not facing another spell on the sidelines because, you know, this, this is a pivotal time for him. You know, he has to prove between now and May that he can be part of the kind of the longer term, you know, the next two, three, four years under Klopp and under potentially another manager beyond Klopp. I think where fans would be scratching their heads and concerned at you know, why hasn't the Salah situation been resolved, I think the club's stance with Oxley's Chamberlain is probably a lot more understandable because I think the jury is still out in terms of you know how important can he be. You know on his day he's able to massively influence games and but he has to he has to produce it on a much more consistent basis for me to to warrant a new deal and then if he can't prove that he deserves that new contract between now and May then the club are going to have to make a decision over you know, do you risk losing him for nothing the following year or, or do you sell so yeah this is crunch time for him really and I you know whenever you speak to people at Oxley Chamberlain as I said you know, I've never heard anyone say a bad word about him you know he, he he's widely loved amongst teammates and staff there and the only thing people always say is he, he can be his own biggest critic in terms of sometimes he's too hard on himself and that, that was why I was so pleased that he got that goal on Sunday because there was that moment I think probably five ten minutes earlier when the ball dropped to him in a similar position actually and he and he absolutely lashed it you know high and wide into the cop and you could tell it, it really like preyed on his mind for a few minutes after and he's beating himself up about it and you think you know you, sometimes it feels like he doesn't quite have that ability to just let things go and just and just move on that you know let's hope that he's not He's not facing a long spell out, and that he will be back, and he can use that goal as a launch pad. Because um, I always, I always enjoy watching him play because he's he's strong, he's powerful, he's direct, 
He commits players, and I think he gives Liverpool something different. Yeah, cracking goal as well, wasn't it? Brilliant cross from Andy Robertson, great finish. Um, hopefully there's more of those moments for him. Let's go from him to, to another midfielder in Curtis Jones. And What, what did you make of the comments pre-match, Simon, with Jürgen talking about Curtis and, and his potential and saying he'd had a, a long talk with him, saying it's time for him to take the next steps in his career. So 20-year-old lads, clearly got loads of talent, started that game against Brentford. What, what is Curtis's future and what was the aim of Jürgen saying that? He's a very different sort of character really, to a lot of the other Liverpool players that have come through the system. You know, very different background. A player who has unwavering self-belief. To some people that will come across as, as arrogance, but from what I know, I, d- I don't think it is that. I think it's more that he knows that he has to back himself. And he also knows that he's got a lot of talent. I mean, he, he I think he's got absolutely everything technically and physically to become a mainstay in the Liverpool midfield or, or even the attack maybe for a long time. Love watching him play. You know, very mature on the ball. Maybe what Jürgen was referring to is... Um, is that good management, Si? Is it, is it getting in his head a bit more? Jürgen never comes out and speaks about players in a critical sense publicly. I'm not saying he... I don't think he's been critical of Curtis Jones, but I think you're right. What he says, what he has said is quite revealing that clearly that, that there's been um dialogue between him and the player. And he, he wants... He, he thinks that the player is ready to make the next step, which will be, of course, the next step is becoming a first-team player for Liverpool every single week in that midfield, more likely, or the attack, because he hasn't done that yet. So that is the next step in his in his career. It's understandable that he hasn't, just because of the quality in front of him, I think. That should be the target. That has to be, for him, not just the target, but the reality. And it has to be for Liverpool as well, because obviously... Liverpool have invested in him. They give him a long-term contract. They see him as the future. Somebody like Curtis Jones, with the Liverpool model, particularly, you know, where you know they, they need the academy players to come through. I mean, Trent Alexander-Arnold has cost them no money, and he's now arguably one of the. He is, in my opinion, the, the best right back in the world. In an ideal world, you want Curtis Jones to become one of the best midfielders in the world. That is the standard at Liverpool. So. You know, the first sort of 18 months, you know, he's obviously been in the first team set up for a lot, quite a long time, but he's obviously had, he's got in, he's done really well, he's made a real positive impression, he's affected games, now he needs to do that on a consistent basis to to be able to do that in training and then and then get on the pitch and, and, and perform week in, week out. And there's obviously going to be that space in the team because... James Milner's got not getting any younger. Uh, the, the, a lot of the players in the attack are obviously getting older. There's question marks around the futures of those players. So there's a big gap there for him to go and take if if, if he's if Jurgen Klopp feels that he's ready. So I thought that was an interesting strategy from the manager because you don't often see that. I'm really excited by him. I think if he if he becomes the player that I think he could become, uh, uh, he, he could be another superstar because I think he's got absolutely everything. I love watching him play. The way he strikes the ball, his confidence on the pitch. I think his discipline, by and large, on the pitch is, is very good. You know, tactically, very good understanding. I love players with that swagger and movement. Uh, he, he could become 
you know, a very important player for Liverpool. If, if things unravel the way, obviously, the manager hopes that they will and the way, you know, fans anticipate it might. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Talking of managers, and there was that bizarre thing at halftime, the, the sacking of Rafa Benitez made public and the start of the second half, the chanting of Rafa's name all around the stadium, James, which, which felt a little bit odd. I couldn't tell. It, it was almost like just sticking the knife in at Everton. But I, I always sense it feels a little bit uncomfortable as well, given it was someone you know who, who we've loved and associated with the club so closely. But it's almost done in a little bit of a mocking fashion as well. Yeah, it, it did feel like there were kind of two sides to that, didn't it? I think um, I think for some people, it probably was just a case of sticking the knife into Everton. You see all the all the things knocking around on social media in terms of Agent Benitez. You know, your your work there is done, and all the rest of it. So um, yeah, I think there's no there's not much sympathy, is there? And it doesn't it doesn't come back the other way when Liverpool are going through tough times either. So part of that, and it, but I think also for some people, those who of a Liverpool persuasion that still love Benitez and admire him for everything he did for the club, both on and off the pitch. I think for those people that you know it never sat right with them, the fact that he took on that job and 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 decided to to manage across Stanley Park. I think they'll, they'll be delighted that it is it is over now, and they don't have that that surreal sight of of Rafa Benitez with the Everton crest on his on his chest. So. Um, I mean, it's just been an absolute mess, hasn't it? I think when you look at how not to run a football club, that is Everton, isn't it? When you when you look at the events there recently, you know, even you, know, you could go back a lot further, but just the fact that you let a manager effectively get rid of the, the director of football, the head of medicine, get rid of one of your best players, sign two other players for what combined 32, 34 million pounds, and then you say you're standing by him regardless, and then and then you sack him. So, you know, as I think Greg O'Keefe's put on The Athletic today, it's now a club fashioned in the image of Rafa Benitez without Rafa Benitez and Farhad Mashiri looking for another manager. And despite all the hundreds of millions that he's pumped into that club, you know, they, they're in a relegation battle. Yeah, big shout to Greg because it's a good article and well worth the read. Was he naive, Si, to believe that he could change Everton? His statement was interesting, Rafa, after he's left. He's talked about the magnitude of the job. Maybe maybe not even understanding how big a job it was until he got into it. He should just never have gone for it. It's as simple as that. I mean, I think the Evertonians initially, by and large, I wouldn't say they got behind him, but they were certainly not at the matches that I went to. There wasn't that sort of anti-Benitez sentiment. I think they were willing to give him a chance. And they did give him a chance. 
you know, they didn't turn on him after a good result, like say, you know, remember when Sam Allardyce, I think they won at Burnley, am I right in saying Everton went and won up, did they beat Burnley? And then after the game, they were still calling for it to, for it to go. The point is, early on, I wouldn't say they totally backed him, it all, but it almost felt like they were waiting. It, it, it was waiting for that moment of collapse. Now, obviously, the bottom line is a manager with those results that he's achieved in this space of time to be in the position they are in the league, whether it's Rafa Benitez or somebody else, is going to find his, his position being questioned. I don't feel personally that the sort of the, the attitude on the terraces towards Benitez is necessarily contributed towards the results. I think from what I can see, you know, he's obviously gone in and made sweeping changes at the club in a very short space of time, which has obviously unsettled a lot lot of people, which then doesn't help on the pitch. And for me, I mean, I, I wrote in the summer about sort of the way this might all map out. I actually thought he, he survived six weeks longer than I thought he would, to be honest, because after the way Everton played against Liverpool in the derby, the level of performance and commitment in that game, I, I, I was thinking he's, he's going to do well to survive the, before Christmas, really, if that, if that carries on. Uh, things haven't improved. But as James says, I mean, he's right. The, the, the club is an absolute shambles, you know, to, to go and let him do all that and then sack him. It just doesn't make any sense. There's no joined up thinking. They've got God knows how many players from five or six different managers now. I think that 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 always shows on the pitch. They, they've gone from being a club which, by and large, you know, has given manager chance just to to sacking him at the first either sign of discontent or problems on the pitch. So I I, th- I think that they'll, they'll struggle to find a top quality manager because a lot of managers. They'll be looking at the track record of what they've done in the last few years, looking at the infrastructure of the club, looking at the players that they've got and thinking, I don't need that. The sort of quality that's needed to, to turn around a club the size of Everton. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they do next. I mean, I suppose there's no manager who divides opinion or who is quite like Rafa Benitez. So finding somebody to, to sort of being able to, to capitalise on some of the things that he's done it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard because obviously some of the stuff that he's done, Benitez, I think possibly does need to happen. But I just think he needs, I put on Twitter yesterday, I do think you need the interpersonal skills and ability to, to work your way around the sensitivities that come with that. And what Rafa wants, he goes for straight away. And that, that happens at Liverpool, quite rightly, a manager should, should try and get the things the way he wants them. But I just think the way he deals with it from you know my experience of dealing with players who've played for him and people who've worked for him is he doesn't really try to necessarily bring people with him. He he sort of says, Well, this is the way it is and then you like it or love it loathe it. I just think, you know, managers have got to be persuasive with what they do now. Uh gotta bring players with them. Players have got to believe in what what the manager's trying to say, which is why I think they'll probably appoint somebody who makes the players feel good about themselves again in the short term. Which is probably why um, Roberto Martinez is one of the bookies' favourites at the moment. Anyway, we won't go into that. Who's already failed there, who the fans wanted out. I just think, what on earth are they doing? I mean, I like Martinez as a person. He's a nice man. I think he's a a, a good football manager, but I just don't think he's a manager for Everton. Digging the bigger hole. Uh, Look, time's catching up on us. Let's do a bit on the the Arsenal game. Second leg of the League Cup semi-final. James, you're going to be at this one? Yeah, hoping to. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, a little bit of uncertainty, isn't there, on the back of Arsenal's uh, 
North London derby being called off on the weekend, but you know, you'd like to think with the, what is it, kind of an extra four or five days should help them get a couple of players back and, and we can get the game on. And, you know, for Liverpool, it's about ensuring that they perform at a considerably higher level than in that, that first leg. I, I, I still think it's a 50-50 shout. I think, yes, it was a massively missed opportunity not to cash in on having that numerical advantage for so long in the first leg, but... I also think Arsenal will have to come out and play a bit more at home. You know that the impetus will be on them, and that should suit Liverpool having a bit more space to to operate in. And you know, obviously, we'll wait and see what happens with Oxley Chamberlain. But someone like you know Minamino, great for him to have that moment on Sunday. I thought you know it, it must have preyed on his mind that horrendous miss against Arsenal. So you've got you know he's got a bit of a spring in his step, as we said before. Curtis Jones going into it on a high. I hope he's retained because I don't want to. I don't want to. See, I don't think anyone wants to see a midfield three of Milner, Henderson, Fabino. You want you want to have some creativity in there, because you want to see Liverpool be bold and play on the front foot and and try and make the most of of the openings that that come their way. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's it's been far too long since Liverpool had a a showpiece final at Wembley to look forward to. You know, in a few weeks it'll be ten years since Liverpool last won the League Cup under Kenny Dalglish. So um, yeah, time to put that right. Absolutely. I think as well that Brentford game goes some way to psychologically getting them better prepared, Si, after what was a really dismal showing in the first leg. Yeah, it was very flat. I'd be surprised if Liverpool played as poorly as that a second time round against the same position in a short space of time. You know, given the history of, of the way, you know, sort of Jürgen Klopp gets the team going. I don't think Arsenal are anywhere near as good as some people are saying off the back of a few impressive results, they're still roughly in the same position in the league. I think they're a team that you can really get at if, if you really go for them. These are players that can that can obviously cause you your problems. I think the surprise for me was them being able to sort of see out that game on Thursday with 10 men. I wouldn't say it was... A lot of people tried to frame it again as, you know, a courageous rear guard performance by Arsenal but I just don't think Liverpool pressured them enough I don't think Liverpool believed enough I think they overthought what was going on you know let's not forget Liverpool have already beaten this team 4-0 and I'm feeling this season albeit with two of the best strikers available who won't be there on Thursday but we'll see I mean I, I would expect at least a better Liverpool performance because that was another one of those performances for me on Thursday which again reminded why they probably won't be able to go and win uh, the league this season in the sense that you know the, the, the squad and, and the team Let's give a final word to uh, to James on a piece that Oli Kay's written about uh, Mo Salah's contract situation um, Klopp said he feels positive about the whole thing but uh, Oli talks about Liverpool approaching crunch time in the talks James Yeah and I think that's fair I think Oli made some excellent points in there that the longer these things drag on history tells you there's there's less and less chance of it reaching a a successful conclusion in terms of the the player staying where he is because um, as the time left on a player's deal runs down, his hand and the hand of his agent is is strengthened to a to a greater degree. And um, as Ollie said, you know there there are echoes from from recent years in terms of you know we we've heard updates previously, haven't we? On you know Wijnaldum and Chan that you know hopeful, confident, and all the rest of it, and they. It didn't happen, and certainly once a player gets down in the final year of his deal, I can think of very few examples of players 
who then signed new deals to stay where they are because suddenly then you know you're in a you know for argument's sake if this impasse is still going on in the summer then Mo Salah would be six months away from being able to agree a pre-contract with an overseas club so I think that's what Ollie means when he talks about this being crunch time and I think we talked about it on the pod before Steve that and I understand people being concerned at the minute but for me the alarm bells only really start ringing if we get to the end of the season and this is still unresolved because then I think Liverpool have got a massive headache because then suddenly you're in the realms of, well, hang on a minute, you know, you've got the best player in world football who's inside the last year of his deal. Are you honestly going to run the risk of him going for nothing the following year? I still am hopeful that a compromise will be reached because I just think Liverpool has been unbelievable for Mo Salah and Mo Salah has been unbelievable for Liverpool, but... If it's going to happen, then I think it will happen between now and May because you know, I think once you get beyond that, history shows that it's unlikely. Surely the love affair has to continue. There's so much to read on The Athletic at the moment. We've mentioned a few of those articles. Get on there and, uh, and check them out at the moment. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We've crammed a lot into today. Thank you for Simon and James as well. And we'll return after that Arsenal uh, semi-final second leg with a pod to cover all that off. See you then. 